I'm Matthew Woods, host of Leading Out of the Woods, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of My Ed Tech Life. You may be asking yourself, what's, wait, what's going on? It's Monday. Yes, that's right. It is Monday. Usually our shows are in the evenings or on Saturday mornings, but guess what? I am on vacation, and what does that mean? We are going to podcast, podcast, <laughs> podcast. So I am so excited to be here with you all this morning, and for those of you that are following and are joining us live at this very moment, please make sure you drop your comments in. Let us know where you're joining us from. We'd love to hear from you. But as always, thankful for your support in making my ed tech life what it is today. Thank you so much. As you know, our mission, our vision, and our passion is to connect educators and creators one show at a time. So I am really excited about today's guest who is kicking off this, uh, I guess, two-week podcast extravaganza that kind of came <laughs> to fruition organically, but she is our first guest kicking it off, and I, she is a wonderful educator, an edtech coach. I have seen her, I, I, and like I was telling her in the, in the backstage area, like kind of see her grow professionally, and the work that she is doing is something that is amazing and inspiring. And again, we're going to be talking about that professional growth and, you know, what it takes to be an ed tech coach. But today, this morning, I want to welcome the always amazing and wonderful Roxy Thompson to the show. Roxy, how are you doing this morning? I am doing great, Fonz. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh, yay! My like first familiar face. I'm like, that's what I needed to see someone I knew. <laughs> yes. I am. Yeah, I'm just excited to be here. All right. So, yeah, look, we're getting some people, Kim. We, we've got Kim here. We've got John also as well, who's joining us here this morning. And so I'm really excited about today's uh, conversation. And so, again, we can just go ahead and get started. So, Roxy, I'm going to be honest with you. And like I mentioned to you, if, once everything shut down, you know, 2020, you know, started the podcast, made connections with Global GEG. And somewhere along those lines, your name started popping up a lot, quite frequently. And we all know that during that time for a lot of educators, it was a time of professional growth as we were all kind of scrounging and seeking what we can do to help our teachers, um, you know, during uh, virtual instruction and so on. And, you know, there there's a lot of names that really stood out. But I kept seeing your name in a lot of events, in a lot of communities that I also am part of. And to see your work from then until now, following you on social media, I really am glad that you agreed to be on the show because definitely can pick your brain with the wealth of knowledge that you have and the amazing things that you're doing. Because there may be some teachers out there that may think about transitioning into an ed tech coach role, or maybe there's going to be some first year ed tech coaches this year. So we'll definitely learn a lot from you today as far as what it takes and maybe some of your best tips and best practices. But before we get into that, <laughs> as you know, first segment of the show is the superhero origin story. So I got to know, Roxy, has education always been something you wanted to do, or was it something that you kind of fell into? So if you can give us a little bit about uh, or share a little bit about your journey in education. Yeah, I think I'm somewhere in the middle, maybe if I had to you know, be on the spectrum of knowing what I wanted to do and falling into it. I am originally from California, so I graduated from Cal State Long Beach with a degree in political science and some sort of vague notion that I wanted to work for the federal government. That's about all I had figured out at that time. So I got my first job out of college with an agency in the Department of Treasury in Los Angeles. And it was really interesting. I got to travel around California and I was telling Fonz before the show, before that, I didn't realize that there was farmland in California. Like I thought all of California looked like Los Angeles because I had been absolutely nowhere up until that point. So it was nice to get out. But after a couple of years on that job, I realized 
two really important things. One, that I wasn't really passionate about the work. And I knew whatever it is I decided to do, I really wanted a career that I could just like pour my whole heart into. The other thing that I realized was that I really miss being in school. Like I miss being in an educational environment. So I decided to go back, get my master's in political science. And I love the, ex the experience of that program so much that I thought, okay, new plan. I'll get my PhD. I'll become a college professor. I'll spend the rest of my days on college campuses, teaching political science, talking about political science. Like I'm like, yes, this is my new life plan. So that was going great till kind of towards the end when I started to realize like, I, I don't know that my personality right now is best suited for that. I kind of felt like I needed something where I could see the impact I was having a little more concretely on a daily basis where I could see how I was helping people, being of service to people, um, it just in more concrete ways than, than being a professor. So I graduated, I got another federal government job, Department of Labor, and I had the same feeling. I enjoyed the work. I thought it was really important, but I wasn't personally passionate about it. And I missed being in an educational setting all over again. So I was kind of right back to where I had started. And I thought, okay, I've been focused on higher ed. Maybe I need to think about K-12. Um, and that was probably the first time in my entire life you know, since I played school during the summer in second grade that I thought about being a K-12 teacher. Around that time, I moved to Arizona. And so I looked at the Arizona State University, found a program called I Teach that was geared towards people that were coming from a second, you know, uh, they already had a career. They were kind of switching over. And I finished that program and I got my first job as a middle school social studies teacher. So that was how I came to be in education. It kind of took a couple of twists and turns, but I think I always knew, you know, I wanted to be somewhere in the education realm. I just didn't know quite where I'd been in that. So there you go. But see, that's very interesting. And like I said, you know, for many of us, and it, it turns out, you know, one of the great things that I've noticed is with a lot of the guests that I've had, they've kind of fallen into education or that was their pivot. But, you know, something about them, something that, you know, it, it was just in their heart and in their personality and in the way that they are, that just really, it just clicked. And for you, I can definitely see that in the, the just in you sharing your story and what you were passionate about. And then, of course, just kind of finding your way. You know, I'm really glad that you did land in education and I'm really glad that your your work has taken you um, into this role and now into the ed tech, uh, you know, coaching role. And the fact that you're bringing in so many different perspectives, you know, you're seeing things from different lenses and different points of view where oftentimes, you know, we may be so used to seeing things a certain way and we kind of don't, you know, want to open up or broaden our horizon to make some changes and make some impact. And sometimes it just takes a fresh set of eyes to do those things. So I'm thankful that you did land in education. And like I said, you're doing some amazing work there. So let's talk a little bit about that first year. I mean, you're coming in, you're like, hey, you know, this is what I wanted to be. This is where I am now. What would you say was the first thing that maybe was the most shocking to you in your first year? Gosh, I can't even think of one thing. I had an extremely difficult first year. And I know a lot of people can relate to that because a lot of people have, you know, challenging first years. And I almost quit about halfway through. It was around November and I was just completely overwhelmed. I was exhausted, you know, the grading and the lesson planning. And I... I think by November, I had just lost a lot of confidence. You know, I came in so excited and I was going to change the world and change education and um, all of that. And I, I just had lost a lot of the confidence I came in with by November. And, you know, part of that, I think, is it took me so long to find the thing that I wanted to do and that I was passionate about. And I kept looking for it. And then I finally found it, this thing that I cared about, that I was passionate about. And then all of a sudden I panicked and thought, what if I'm just not good at it, right? Like, what if I never get good at it? And I think I just, you know, really got scared about that. So I luckily had incredible people around me that, you know, helped me through that first year and just supported me in a million different ways. I had a, I think they called him induction mentors. Um, his name was Will Ambos. I think he still does consulting, um, but he was just amazing. And so I took a couple of weeks off, um, to kind of get my head on straight and figure out like, what are, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to stick this out and, you know, 
see what happens next year. Am I going to leave? So I managed to make it through. And then at the end of the year, I switched grades, switched schools, just found something that was a little bit of a better fit for me. So if I could go back, you know, I think I would tell myself, like, be patient, you know, give yourself some time to make mistakes and to grow and to, you know, just figure out who you are as a teacher. Like, what does it look like when you're teaching well? Because it's easy to compare yourself to other people and try to be that other person because it looks so good when they do it, but it just ends up feeling kind of unnatural. So sometimes I hear people that have these really amazing first years, you know, the rookies of the year kind of people. <laughs> and I think, you know, that, that would have been nice. It would have been nice to have a less stressful first year. But, you know, now that there's some space between me and that first year, I, I, I really think like that was a really important part of my educator journey and who I am now, because especially as a coach, you know, I can really empathize with teachers that are feeling overwhelmed or don't have that confidence when it comes to using technology or feel like everyone's getting it, you know, faster than they are. Why am I not learning it? How come it's easier for that person? So I think it helps me empathize with them. And I also think, you know, when things get difficult, you know, when I was first year coach or whenever things come up, I, I can lean back into that first year and be like, look, you, you can do hard things. You can get through this. Like, it'll take a little bit. But, you know, I think about how close I came to leaving something that I love so much now. And so I think that helps me through a lot of um, a lot of hard times now. So it was, it was an important year. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And the way you describe it, it, it's something like actually we had Scott Noons on the show on Saturday and he talked a little bit about that. Oh, you know, as far as what's that? <laughs> yeah. The first year he goes, you know, yeah. you might want to come out, you know, just running and being that first year teacher MVP, you know, first year, <laughs> you know, teacher of the year. But he's like, you know, some of the best advice that I can give you. And, and I guess he it for any teacher be just to take it nice and slow, you know, and just to continue to learn and doing those things. And one of the things that you talked about that I kind of want to bring up again was the induction, the mentoring. I think that's something that is very, very important. And I think that sometimes many districts may do that incorrectly in the sense that, well, you're going to be the mentor and it's somebody that may not even want to be a mentor. Yeah. And they just say, well, well, we just need to assign somebody and you just, you're going to be the mentor and you're going to get the stipend, but they really don't do much, I want to say, to help those new teachers and, you know, helping them and learn the culture a little bit, just being there for them, providing kind of like a, a safe space, that psychological safety that, hey, it's okay if you make a mistake, I'm here to help you and jump in on those things. And sometimes I think that first year, like you mentioned, could feel very, it can feel a little lonely sometimes, you yeah. know, but Thankfully, if it wasn't for your mentor that you had, you know, that was able to help you out and, you know, help you uh, just overcome that barrier and those obstacles. I mean, who knows if you would have been here today or not, but yeah. I'm glad that he took the time to say, hey, you know what, let me walk you through these things. So if you can tell us just a little bit of advice there as far as how he mentored you, maybe for some people that are current mentors or, you know, or mentees to maybe some things that they can look for that are positive in having that mentor with them. I, I think, you know, something that you said was I, I just always felt safe. I felt safe talking to him about the struggles that I was having. I felt safe, you know, trying new things in front of him. If he was there, I never felt like he was there as an evaluator, which I think I think that's an area that sometimes districts, um, they mix that up. I, I, I think sometimes you have people that are supposed to be in coaching roles, but there's also some evaluation, whether formal or informal, people know when, you know, someone's there kind of judging them. And it was just very clear to me the entire time that his only purpose for being there was just to help me out. And he had been um, a baseball coach. He had this really interesting backstory about how he had been very athletic. He was a very talented athlete himself. And he talked about how his own attitude and uh, a little bit of arrogance, I think he may have said, kind of ruined it for him. He just went in with kind of a chip on his shoulder and I know everything and kind of talked about how that really stopped him from getting where he might have been as an athlete. So he took that and he was a, a baseball coach, I think, for a while. So he brought in, you know, that that coaching background and and that mentality and so he, he just always made me feel supported whenever he was in the room 
and and I had his full attention too, right? Like I'm sure he had all these other people he was trying to help. That poor man was probably so busy constantly. But every time he was with me in the classroom, I felt like I had 100% of his attention. Um, and and yeah, it was it was just he was very talented and very skilled at that. So excellent, great experience. Yeah, and I think like you mentioned it's that psychological safety is just so important. Mm-hmm. Just to have somebody there that oops i made a mistake and well there it, there's nothing that you can break and you know that's kind of like the mentality that i have now that I, when i work with teachers you know and just telling them hey just get clicky with it nothing's gonna happen nothing's <laughs> gonna break just either hit refresh undo log out and log back in and everything's gonna be fine you know but yeah. to have somebody just reassure you of that is something that's very important and uh, you know for myself you know just to talk a little bit about how important that mentor was for myself my mentor was not even the mentor that was assigned to me uh it ended up being somebody else that just took it upon themselves just to walk around my like walk by my classroom as i was teaching and just you know give me some positive affirmations some great tips um you know little do's and don'ts and things of that sort and it made a world of a difference that first year and after that the best advice he told me he said if you keep teaching the way that you do the years are going to fly by. And sure enough, 16 years later, here I am still in education in a, in a slightly different role than I was, you know, five years ago, but still in education. So if it wasn't for the impact that he had on me, just much like the impact that mentor had on you, I mean, who knows where we would currently be. But so again, induction, very important and very important that it's done correctly. So yeah. awesome. All right. Well, Roxy, let's talk a little bit about why the really the topic of the show here. I, I've noticed, again, your growth from 2020 up until now, and you're doing some amazing work within your district. I see your social media and some of the things that you're really doing to sharpen your skills. You are just on, on your A game every time I see you that you're learning something new that you're going to bring into your teachers. And of course, we all know that for, you know, leaders, district leaders, such as yourself and these coaching roles, you know, it takes a lot of time for us to prepare. So that way we can go ahead and share that knowledge with teachers. But can you talk to us about your story as far as how you moved from classroom to ed tech coach role and maybe some of the, you know, I guess, uh, advice that you can give to anybody that would love to be in this role or is currently in this role? Yeah. So I think one of the interesting things about coming on a podcast is it really makes you stop, you know, and reflect like how how in the world did I get <laughs> So I was a few years into teaching, you know, finally had my legs kind of under me. And I just got really interested in learning how I could use technology in my classroom. And at first it was as a teacher, like, how can I do these things more quickly? Or, you know, how can I use tech to address this thing that's been driving me crazy? But once I got more confident, then I started thinking about, okay, how can I get these tools into my students' hands? You know, how can they use things like Google Slides to create things? Or how can um, they, you know, get in a Google Doc and start collaborating with each other? So I just tried to learn as much as I could um, from anywhere I could, right? So I discovered Teacher Twitter, which opened up this whole universe um, for me that I had never even thought about. Or, you know, people were having these conversations that I had never had never even crossed my mind things like ungrading or I mean just things we didn't talk about you know around my campus or in my district and they were also sharing all these amazing ideas of how they were integrating technology in their classrooms so I started following people you know trying to read blog posts and you know listening to podcasts and going through things like google certifications and just trying to soak it all up um and I could see the real difference and impact that it was having in my classroom, which, you know, got me really excited. And I think when I really saw like the magic of it was when I started to dive into blended learning and blended learning strategies. And that's when I was like, whoa, OK, like I can I can see how how transformational this can be, you know, how I can take these active, engaging offline activities, combine them with these active, engaging online activities. How can I shift more control over to my students? get them making decisions about, you know, about what they're learning, um, things like pacing, like how can I start to put a little more control, you know, in my students' hands over their pacing? And that's when I started to see just 
really big changes in my classroom and it and it changed the way I thought about what teaching and learning could look like and feel like. It changed the dynamics. I spent more of my time in these one-on-one conversations and got to know my students in a way I never felt like I had time to do, you know, previous to that. And so as I just started learning more about the tools, I kind of just became known as like the tech person at my school because we didn't have something like tech coaches in our school or in our district. So I would help teachers during my planning period or before and after school. There were some summer conferences where I did some PDs and I loved it. I mean, I love the feeling of helping teachers um, do things in their classroom. And it happened to be tech, but, you know, whatever it was, the idea that someone that had the first year that I had, that I was in a position where I, I could see a teacher that was lacking some confidence and I could show them like how they could do it, how they could learn, you know, to use these tools in their classroom and just the excitement um, that they felt afterwards is, was just so rewarding. So as much as I was loving using the technology in my classroom and, you know, year by year, just kind of getting better at it and feeling more confident, I started to think, okay, you know, this isn't something that was a district-wide initiative or a school-wide initiative. It was kind of just me in my classroom for the most part. And I started thinking, well, what if I was in a position to help more teachers do this outside of my classroom? You know, what if a whole grade level did this? What if a whole school did this? What if a whole district was doing this? You know, what kind of transformation could we really see? So I decided to kind of take the leap and had some connections. I knew someone from, I think it was like a Google Trainer bootcamp or something like random. Uh, that I connected with on Twitter. So when his district had this role open up, um, I applied for it and got it. So, you know, I, I mean, advice is just, I think, you know, you talk a lot on your show about connections. That That is huge. Finding people that are doing things that you are interested, you know, figuring out what what are they doing? How are they learning? You know, what conferences are they going to? And then just, you know, just diving in. Um, I can't tell you how many YouTube videos I watched over those years <laughs> just trying to learn how to do all this stuff. And then I still do, you know, daily um, when I'm trying to figure out how to use a new tool. So, you know, if this is something you're passionate about, there's so many resources out there, no matter what kind of learner you personally are. But reach out and connect with people. And, you know, the people on Twitter are 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 so open and so willing to share and to talk. It's it it's amazing. So I, you know, and if you're not a social media person, there's other ways to do that. But I will say, you know, for for me, Twitter was was pretty close to I, I don't like the phrase game changer, but <laughs> it's the closest thing I would the closest uh thing I would call it, you know, calling a game changer for me personally. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. You know, the power of connections is something that's huge and that's one of the biggest things, you know, and and of course that that's the whole premise of the show is just connecting educators because, you know, collectively, I mean, we can do so much in moving the needle, you know, education needle forward, uh, but also just the connections that you make and the learning that happens. And, you know, that's something that is amazing. So, you know, going back to your your learning and that passion, I mean, just the way that you saw, you sharpened your skills, of course, during pandemic, you know, I know you did a lot of sessions, you know, or, or you were present at a lot of the sessions that we were at with, you know, the Google certified trainers, and then you did the Google coach and doing all of this. So hopefully you're going to sign up for Google Innovator, because I would definitely <laughs> love to help you with that. That's too. When is that coming back? Yeah, yeah, that'll I, be I, coming check it every week. <laughs> yes, that'll be coming soon, but definitely hit me up. But but that's the power of, of like you said, Twitter. You know, I think oftentimes a lot of people, uh, and at the very beginning with Twitter, I was very scared to reach out to people because I'm like, wow, these people are like, you know, to me, they're like rock stars. And, yeah. and I look up to them. And then, you know, I was like, I don't want to ask them a question. What if they... You know, but you're right. They, we're completely open to help. I mean, you send a DM and being able to send DMs to people like, you know, George Koros or, you know, Eric Kurtz and things like that. And then all of a sudden you get a reply. It's like, whoa, this is so cool. Like, like they, they replied and they were happy to help. So I definitely, you know, second what Roxy said for any educators that are out there, you know, you're on social media, if you're on Twitter don't hesitate to reach out. You know, people are always willing to help. And if we may not be able to help, we promise that we will probably connect you <laughs> with somebody that will be able to help and answer those questions because that's something that's definitely very important. So Roxy, let's talk now a little bit about that transition. So you found this new role, you know, you applied in this district 
And so now can you, uh, I guess, explain to us specifically what your current role entails? And then after that, just maybe talk to us a little bit about that maybe first year, you know, maybe like a barrier or two that first year and how you overcame those barriers. Yeah. So my first year being an ed tech coach was the year of COVID, if that was enough of a barrier. <laughs> yes. So, um, but well, you know, when I came in to the role, I will say my, how I see my role now is very different than how I saw it that first year. It was, it was way more of a traditional trainer kind of role when I came in. And I think the, the person that hired me intended us to kind of shift over into coaching, but you know, so many things happened over the course of those next couple of years, we really did more group PDs. And, you know, even when we worked with teachers one-on-one, it was a little more one-off things and, and a little more how-to things, right? They'd call like, how do I create a Google Classroom? Or they'd email about how to use a specific tool. And I remember doing some PDs for social studies teachers. And, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing at first. I'm you know, throwing all these ideas out of them, Google Earth, Google Maps, Google Slides, you know, and throwing all these tools and they were so nice and they're like, yeah, that sounds amazing. And then they'd leave and they just go back to what they were doing. You know, I wasn't seeing, I wasn't seeing any of that translate into implementation at the classroom level. And I couldn't figure out why, you know, what, what was I doing wrong? And I thought, okay, what do you know about coaching? Like what, what do you actually know about what good coaching looks like? And the truth is nothing. And so I was like, okay, this is like when you want to learn about tech, right? You just got to dive in and start trying to figure out what does it look like when someone is coaching effectively? What are those strategies? How can you change your approach to how you're doing this if, if you want to see that impact in those results? So luckily around this time, that's when Google came out with their certified coaching curriculum. And I was like, yes, this is exactly what I was looking for, right? It was concrete ideas of what tech coaching could look like. They had an actual coaching model, the five-step coaching model in there, all these resources and templates. And so that gave me a really solid idea of where to start and things to start working on so that I was doing something that now at least resembled coaching, you know, in the way that I think about it now. But that first year, you know, COVID hit halfway through. And at the time, because I was the newest person, I had actually been told, I think maybe it was like February that I was going to be let go. So I wasn't going to have my role. And so I was already interviewing at other districts and things. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and they were kind of like, whoa, maybe, maybe let's stick around for a little while longer. So, um, but yeah, I, I came close again. It, that's kind of like my pattern, right? I came close again to kind of being out, but things took a different turn. And, um, you know, once I, once I got into the Google certified coaching curriculum, I, the other big thing that happened was I started connecting with other coaches. So like how I met amazing people like him, you know, was through the EC Open Chat, which was this group of amazing educators that were also going through that certified coaching curriculum. We did those book studies that you had mentioned earlier. There were these informal sessions from kind of that first cohort of people that had gotten their certification. And, and those were amazing. I can't tell you how helpful it was because tech coaching can feel very isolating, almost like being a first year teacher. I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities in the role. And to have that group of educators that was there just like cheering you on and giving you ideas, um, it kind of served as that mentor, right? Like that, that mentor that saved me that first year, I feel like that group of educators kind of played that role for me and helped me through that first year. And the other um, big group I want to mention was the Forward Edge coaches like Katie Ritter that you had on her mm -hmm. whole group. They were doing those webinars around that same time and so I was attending those. And, you know, while I'm in there listening to the content, I'm looking in the chat at names and finding them on Twitter and you know, trying to connect with them in different ways. And so that was really important, too. And uh, her group does this really great coaches camp every year. And I'm going back for the second time this year. But again, it's like it can sometimes be hard to find PD as a tech coach. I mean, there's not a ton of PD that is for that specific group of people. So you kind of have to be creative and really reach out, you know, and find out what other people are doing. So that that's kind of what helped me start growing. It's probably when I started popping up all, all over the place um, and trying to share because I just felt so grateful, you know, for all the teachers through that whole journey who had shared things with me. I wanted to make sure that I was paying that forward and doing the same thing and sharing the things that I was doing also. So 
yeah, that's kind of part of that journey. <laughs> and that's great. You know, and that's such a wonderful journey. And well, I mean, we're getting a lot of love here in the chat. And <laughs> I want to give a shout out to Mel. I know Mel joined us. And I haven't given her a shout out yet, but Mel is joining us oh, all the way from Colombia. So Mel is here. And then, of course, uh, one of my friends, Josh uh, Tobar, he's here, an outstanding administrator, a great supporter of the show. So he's here as well. So big shout out to y'all. But uh, we're going back to what you were saying, Roxy. I think that's so important that, you know, now I think finally we're starting to see a little bit more of that PD developing for, you know, that specific ed tech coach role, because as you, as you mentioned, at least in my district, we really don't have that role, like, you know, per campus at all whatsoever. It's just actually up until last year, it was only one of me for 14 schools, K through 12. Um, this last year, I have a colleague now that we brought on. So now it's two of us for Yay. 14 schools. <laughs> but, you know, as you can tell, like, I mean, it, it just kind of, it still is going to be something that that's very difficult, 14 schools, but you know, yeah. it's something that we need to start developing and start thinking about, you know, the greater good and being able to have somebody on campus to be able to help and to be able to be that extension of the overall vision and the overall goal that the district may have as far as technology implementation and to be able to kind of have eyes and ears, you know, and, and just to kind of check out the climate, like what's working, What's not, you know, what can we do and change and be, be, uh, you know, be able to react to those things and change them up and, you know, see what we can do to better those things. But as for you, what you mentioned, you know, being able to reach out and see, you know, as part of those groups, I love it because I do that too, where I'm like either at a conference or something virtual and I'm kind of like just lurking in the background, just seeing like <laughs> what names are here. And it's like, all right, I'm going to follow yeah. them, follow them and go look at their stuff and then be able to connect with them. That's something that's very important. So like you said, uh, I know that I'm seeing a lot more. Actually, Katie's she's they just have a coaches thing going on this last weekend, I think, yeah. uh, in person. And I know that they'll be doing the virtual one as well. And I know that there are other uh, let me see. I think there's other organizations that are out there that are doing stuff with the ed tech coaches. So. You know, that's something that's great. But again, going back to the power of connections, you know, just on edgy Twitter, just like you said, you met Kim, like I've met Mel and Josh and John, you know, through those connections, definitely great people that you can connect with and learn from too as well. All right. So Roxy, then talk to us a little bit now. I know you said, and that's really where I started seeing you, like you started popping up on social media <laughs> and just sharing. And I love that concept, you know, that you're giving back to yeah, I guess like I always say, you know, giving back to what has already given so much to me, like for me in education and for you to be able to give back, you know, the, the information that you put out there. And if you don't follow Roxy Thompson yet, please make sure you follow her and, you know, you'll see her contacts on the podcast notes, but please make sure you follow her because she definitely does share a lot of great information, a lot of great resources that can be very helpful to you either as an ed tech coach or even just for yourself as, you know, personal PD for yourself to, you know, better implement technology in your classrooms. But so we, I started seeing you posting and posting and posting and seeing that growth and now, you know, seeing you here on the podcast. And I'm very thankful that you get to be here and to share your story. But I would love to know, you know, currently in, in your role right now, where do you see uh, this role of ed tech coach within your district, where is this something that's going to continue to grow? Or is do you see this as something like kind of still right now, we're in a wait and see stage to see how this is going to work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I brought back, once I had gone through the coaching curriculum and done a couple of cycles and was, you know, getting certified, I felt confident enough to bring that to my boss as like, hey, I think this is where we need to go. At the very least, I would like to see like my personal position <laughs> transition a little more towards the coaching and away from that more traditional trainer role. So she was on board. And he was just like, yes, let's keep talking about this. And this past year, we started our first, um, we call it the distance learning program, but basically our first online program. And so I was the instructional technology coach for that program. So it gave me a chance to really try these things that I had been learning about and talking about and actually apply them with this group of teachers that were going to be our first online teachers. So to, to work on those coaching skills, like, you know, asking questions, building relationships, you know, all of that stuff. Um, 
and it worked so well. And I'm not at all going to take the credit. Those teachers are amazing. I mean, just trailblazing troopers because, you know, they we didn't give them training to be an online teacher, right? They they really, they took on a lot and they were very gracious with the fact that I was learning to be a coach and very patient with me. And together, you know, we just made this whole thing work and kept that thing standing no matter how many times we had to kind of duct tape it together. And now it's going to be its first standalone online school next year. So I think they saw how effective this coaching could be, this one-on-one coaching that I've, you know, really been pushing for. And so moving into next year, we're actually adding a new coach. So I have someone else that's on my team, um, and but we hired someone. And when we we hired this person, you know, we we talked about what, what are, where do we want to go with this role, right? we want someone that's going to be more of a traditional trainer like people have typically been um, or do we want to start moving the whole team towards more of a coaching role and so my boss was was all on board with the coaching like we need to now take what we've learned from this online school and start spreading this more into all of our you know brick and mortar classrooms the other 32 schools um, in our district so yeah so we have three people on our tech team uh, for 32 schools so it's it's a lot so I I completely understand bonds where you're coming from. So I, I do think there's a lot of potential to keep growing this idea of tech coaching in our district. I think it's going to take a lot of advocating on the part of those of us like, like me, you know, that really care about this and believe in it. And I think, I think we really need to think creatively about how to try to reach all these different teachers because it's such a huge school. So I've really been trying to get um, to do a little more digging into virtual coaching and, you know, how they can help address some of the things that are challenging about trying to get to so many different teachers, um, you know, and how to take the things that we did in online school and translate them into brick and mortar, which is odd because most people had to take what they knew about being in person and translate it online. Uh, We're a little bit backwards. So I want to really make sure that the things that I learned this past year and in the online program that I take that moving forward. And I will say one of the big things that I had not thought about was forming relationships with admin. I don't think I've seriously thought about that before this past year, but it was incredibly important. We had two different admin, one for the the K4 teachers, one for the 5A teachers, and it made a huge difference to proactively try to make um, to, to form those relationships with them because often they're the gatekeepers, right? They're 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 going to be the, the you know decision makers on whether or not you get some real face time and freedom to work with their teachers. So that was a huge takeaway for me moving forward into next year. Yes, no, I I agree with you. The admin definitely be friends with them, but also we also need to make sure that even our central office admin are all on the same page, you know, yeah. because oftentimes, you know, as things come down, it, it, it's it's kind of like a, that uh, that game where you have a bunch of people in the room and then you whisper one word and by the time you get <laughs> to the end, it's like, yeah, it's completely different, you know, just yeah. make sure that that line of communication is clear and it comes down to as well, because it has to fit with that overall mission and vision that the district yeah. has. But I agree with you, relationships as always, like, uh, Josh Tovar puts here, it's always, you know, connections before content. And that works in the classroom, but that also works with Absolutely. us as in adults and in our world, you know, connections before content. So, yeah. Well, Roxy, it has been an amazing pleasure to have you on the show. I really thank you because you definitely, um, you know, opened up and you really shared so many knowledge nuggets today that <laughs> we're definitely going to be taking away and some excellent sound bites that I'll be sharing. Uh, you know, later on this week and everything. But thank you so much for just how authentic and genuine you are, just open about how you stepped into this role and your professional, personal growth. And uh, it really means a lot that you were able to be on the show. It's an honor to have you on here. As like I said, I'm a longtime fan and watching you <laughs> and, and doing what you're doing. So that that's what I love about having this podcast that I get to bring people on that I'm a fan of. And it's great. So I'm really excited that you're here. But before we wrap up, as always, this is my favorite segment too as well. The last <laughs> segment where we have our last three questions here for our guests. So here we go, Roxy. You ready for the last three questions? I am ready. All right, here we go. Question number one, in the current state of education, what would you say is your current 
edukryptonite? All right. So currently, I would say um, creating systems in which our teachers don't feel trusted and they don't feel like they have the autonomy to make decisions in their classrooms. And I, I feel like that's been, that's been something teachers have, have felt like slowly slipping away from them. But I kind of feel like coming out of COVID lockdowns, many teachers feel like that's been accelerated. And I just think it's so important that our teachers feel like they have the space and the opportunity to try new things, to innovate, to fail, to learn from that, and to figure out, you know, what works best for those students that are in front of them in their classrooms. And I know that there's a lot of concern about our students coming out of lockdown and, you know, whatever it is your district calls it, learning loss, learning gaps, you know, being behind on learning, you know, whatever, whatever it is um, they call it. But I don't think the appropriate response to that is to tie our teachers' hands and try to force them into, you know, all teaching the same exact way on the same exact day, you know. I, I think what our students really need is for us to create these learning environments that address their individual needs that, you know, where people are finding out, like, what are they interested in? What are they passionate about? Let's get them excited about coming to school, you know, so that they want to be there. And the people that are uniquely situated to, to know that are those teachers that are there with them every single day that can kind of, you know, take that curriculum, take what they know about their students and find that magic, you know, that that magic recipe of making that come to life for their students. So I think I think we really need to find a balance. Um, you know, let's let's support our teachers that are struggling. If you know they're having difficulties choosing instructional strategies, okay, let's support them. If they're having difficulty collecting data and, you know, using that to inform lessons, let's support them with that. Um, let's let's figure out what they need and help them grow as teachers. But they still have to have that ability you know, to make those decisions because they're the ones in the classroom every day with their students. And so I think they need to feel like they have the support um, and, and the, the space and the permission, let's call it, to, to make those decisions. Excellent. Great, great answer. All right. Next question, Roxy, if you can have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? So I think it would be something to the effect of nothing worth having comes easily, which I think maybe is some sort of, you know, certain version of a Theodore Roosevelt quote, maybe, I'm not sure. But I, I really relate to that because everything that I've done, especially in the education field, has taken a lot of work. Nothing has come easily to me. And I don't, I don't know if you know this, Fonz, but I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. Uh, I am a Swifty and Taylor Swift has a song called Mirabal that has a line that goes, I've never been a natural. All I do is try, try, try. And I love that line because, you know, I talked about my first year teaching, you know, nothing about teaching or working with kids came naturally to me. I had to work really, really hard at that. And when it comes to technology, sometimes I think teachers will say like, oh, well, it's easy for you. It comes naturally to you to use technology. Like, that's not true at all. I spent hours watching videos, reading books, reading you know, um, blog posts, listening to podcasts, going to Google boot camps. I mean, I put a lot of time and work into that to, you know, to learn and grow. It didn't come naturally to me. And even as a coach, you know, coaching requires a lot of patience at times. I am not a naturally patient person like at all. Ask anyone that knows me. But I work at that, you know, every single day because it's something that I care about and I want to get better at it. So I think it can it can be easy to get discouraged when things don't come right away. Um, you know, we know that about our students, but it's true about us as adults also. And I think we just need to remember that, you know, you just you have to be willing to put the work into it. And if you care about it, um, you know, you, you will get there. Um, you just you got to give yourself that time and figure out, you know, find the resources to, um, you know, to, to grow in whatever it is you're looking to grow in. Nice. Definitely. I love that. Love that. And thank you so much for sharing that. All right. And then, of course, here we go. Josh, Josh is already waiting. He's waiting for this. All right. So, Roxy, so when the EdTech Coaching Podcast with Roxy Thompson, <laughs> and let's pretend that this is it. All right. So I'm just throwing it out there. All right. All right. So if this was your show this morning and you have one question to ask me, what question would you would it be? 
Yeah. Okay. So I have started to see the word metaverse popping up in a lot of like my Twitter feed and, you know, getting popular. And I know little to nothing about what this means in education. So Fonz, I think this is an area that you're interested in, right? Or yes. You, okay. Okay. So if maybe you could shed a little light for those of us that maybe want to start learning, like what is, what is the importance of the metaverse for uh, educators and as ed tech coaches? And maybe who should I be following if I want to learn more about this? Ooh, okay. Actually, I have a couple of blog posts that okay. you can go ahead and check out on that on the metaverse. But really, this is something that I am really excited about. I, I always love to see where the future of education is going to go. But first of all, we always think, I always think future of work. Where is the future of work? And then try and tie that in to the future of education. So right now, the, the current state of the metaverse is it, it's really kind of starting to come to fruition sort of. It's kind of being built. And right now, a lot of people think like, oh, you know, all it is, is just the avatars and there's businesses and so on. But I want you to think about this. And many times as educators, we don't think about it or making these connections, but our students uh, are already kind of being primed or have been primed for this future that's coming. Because if we take something like Roblox, you take something like Fortnite, you take something like Minecraft where they can already buy digital assets. So, you know, in Fortnite, they can buy, you know, uh, skins. In Roblox, yeah. <laughs> they can buy certain things. That's exactly what is happening right now in the metaverse. So the metaverse isn't something that is brand spanking new. It's something that has already kind of started evolving from that point. And right now, my biggest thing is Web3, which really ties into the metaverse, but I think that Web3 is something that's going to be very important because we definitely need a lot of programmers for Web3. You need programmers to build the metaverse and all of those programs that will be, you know, running all of the blockchain and things of that sort. So my big push right now that I learned and I came back from a, a computer science conference is really the importance of computer programming and learning that within our schools, computational thinking, because those are the jobs that are going to be out there that are going to be very, very much needed. And so that right there, and, the, and of course, going into the metaverse itself, for myself, it's just the possibilities of education to be able to have students be in a virtual world. So let's say that there may be some students that may not be able to attend class or you have a virtual school by simply putting on a pair of goggles. They are all in class together. Even at the university level, they're already doing this and being able to interact with one another, with a professor, but they're creating and building their learning. So instead of just learning about cells on a worksheet, I'm actually creating a cell and building a cell on my own um, inside the human body and learning about anatomy and all of those things. And one of the biggest things that I have seen throughout, you know, my readings and in certain interviews that I've done is the fact that the schools, you know, in, in K-12, excuse me, in, in higher ed, they're no longer siloed. It's like you have the fine arts department coming into the science, you've got history going into science, and they're making those connections where if you notice sometimes a lot of the problems that we may have in our K-12 system is that teachers like to work in silos many times and, and they don't get out of that. And so something along the lines with this technology to be able to see those cross-curricular connections, that's what really excites me because the students are going to have a tremendous learning experience, number one, that is memorable, that is not just rote memorization, but they're internalizing their learning. And it's a skill that they'll be able to take on from grade to grade. And it's something that's going to prep them for the future of learning in the higher ed space, where there's a lot of AR, VR, you know, extended reality being used. And then, of course, the future of work, where they'll be ready with those tech skills if needed, you know, and just to help them improvise, adapt and overcome and just to continue moving forward. So that's what really excites me. I get so pumped up about that. <laughs> that, one's, 
<laughs> Sounds exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely I do have some blogs on that and I'll definitely put that in the show notes and I'll share those with you. And then that way you can read up a little bit more on that. But thank you for that question as it is something yeah. that I'm passionate about. Uh, but Roxy, thank you so much. I, it has been a pleasure, an honor. And I am so pumped. You know, this is such an amazing <laughs> episode. Great conversation. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you all. But before we go also, please uh, let our uh, listeners and our audience members know where it is that they can connect with you. Yeah, so I, I'm everywhere. You heard Fonz. I'm popping up all over the place. So I'm on Twitter at Roxy underscore Thompson. I'm on Instagram at Roxy underscore Thompson, where you'll see my dog and some some hiking stories along with uh, some ed tech coaching um i'm on linkedin i'm on facebook so wherever wherever it is i'm there popping up so come find me connect with me if you have any questions if you're looking to get into ed tech coaching um or trying to expand that at your school you know i'd love to connect or if you're doing amazing things and you think i could learn from you i would also love to connect so i hope i hope to make some connections Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And to all of you that joined us, we've got Kim, we've got John, we've got Josh, we've got Mel and anybody else that's going to be listening or rewatching the episode. Thank you, as always, from the bottom of my heart for making my tech life what it is today. And we do what we do because of our passion for education. But most importantly, because our mission, our vision and our passion is to connect educators and creators one show at a time. So thank you always for your support. Please make sure that you check Check out our website at myedtech.life, myedtech.life, where you can check out all our previous episodes. And please make sure you stop by our merch store as well. We've got some brand new merch. So, of course, if you definitely need some conference wear, you can definitely get it here. Support one of your favorite podcasts. Hey, you know, whatever it is, loungewear, you can get it in your supporter show. And as always, thankful for every single one of you that make this happen. So thank you so much for your time. And as always, my friends, until next time, don't forget, stay techie.